0: Hey guys, Bruce Johnson here with the Epic Real Estate Investors Association with our Epic Real Estate Revolution podcast uh, alongside my uh, my co-host here, Mr. Logan Crush. Hey,
1: Logan. Hey, Bruce. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing really well.
0: Good. Good. Well, we it uh, looks like we're turning the corner on weather here and getting ready for some springtime action. So uh, <laughs> Yeah,
1: very much. I was doing some landscaping work today and it felt awesome.
0: Yeah. yeah it's good to have the doors and windows open <laughs> a little bit and get some fresh air. So. Yep. Yes. So that's good stuff. So, yeah, it's been uh, busy as always. You know, we have a long. Each of us has our long list of uh, things that we're, we're taking care of and taking on and getting done. So, um, but uh, real excited about uh, turning the quarter into spring and, and uh, the, the spring real estate market. So, mm-hmm.
1: definitely. So, yes,
0: indeed. So, uh, so we have a special guest with us today, um, a gentleman I met just recently. He uh, got involved with our group back in January. Uh, his name is Mike Kozlowski, and uh, Mike turns out to have been a real estate investor for. Gosh, 30 plus years mm-hmm. and uh, got involved with our social study group and uh, has been a real asset to our group and our team. And uh, is doing a lot of things out in out west of us here in the Rockford Freeport area. So um, it's a pleasure to have Mike here today. And uh, you know, Mike, I just want to have you say hi and uh, you know, welcome to our, our podcast today.
2: Oh, hey, thank you.
0: Glad to be here. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's awesome to have you. So, uh, so yeah, you know, Logan, uh, you and I kind of, kind of talk about Mike off. You know, kind of off, off record a little bit about, you know, it's great to have somebody like Mike in our group, somebody that brings so much talent and skill and, and uh, experience to the table.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, right before we just started recording this, we're talking about some of your deals that you've done and uh, just getting me excited and, yeah. and ready to learn. Absolutely.
0: Cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, so Mike, with that being said, uh, you know, why don't you introduce yourself and tell yeah. us what got you started
2: in real estate and, you know, really, um, you know, why you're still doing it. Sure. Um, I don't know. About 30 years ago, I was uh, started going to college. I, no one in my family ever went to college, and so that was kind of the path they told me to take: was go to college, and you can make some money. And when I started going to school, I got a little confused. I didn't know how school was going to really help me, and I, I just never really felt like that was going to be something really strong in my life. And uh, I just I don't know how to explain it. I, uh, I was a young guy in my 20s, and I you know I have fun and come out uh with my go out with my friends late at night and then when i would come home there was these real estate infomercials on and it just kind of blew me away you know here i am thinking i'm going to college i'm going to get a degree make a lot of money and then i see these people on tv like (laughs) they seem similar to how i was and how my family blue collar people waitresses truck drivers non non non-college people Mm -hmm. and uh they're making tons of money and um I, i I just couldn't relate to it. Uh, My family, they're all renters. They're not homeowners. So um, they're just hardworking people and working 10, 12 hours a day or weekends. And it's just very hard for them to save money. So I got excited watching this stuff on TV and I couldn't resist. I bought the course and it was a starting point of um, understanding real estate. Like someday I could actually own my own home and own my own investment property and it, it just, I started reading it and uh, I, I just, it just overconsumed me. And one of the things that it talked about was you don't need money, wow. like no money down. I'm like, really? I mean, my whole family said we don't own a house because we have no money. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things they talked about was at that time was using credit cards. So they said, hey, why don't you go apply for a bunch of credit cards and use that money for a down payment and ask the seller to carry it back or maybe you know somebody who's got uh, a va loan which would be a 100 percent financing and what was uh, strange about that time is i uh, lived with my mom my mom and dad were divorced i didn't really know my dad too much but he was in vietnam and he had veteran rights and benefits and uh First time, I kind of really reached out to my dad and got to know him again. And I, my mom thought I was crazy. You know, she tried to tell me, son, people like us, we, we're just, we're renters. We're never going to have any money. Mm-hmm. And my dad, he had an open mind. You know, I said, Dad, I watch this stuff on TV. He's like, so do I. And I explained to him about what the program said. You could get a VA loan. He could qualify and then he's like, Well, son, how do we how do we pay the closing costs? There's gotta be something. I said, Dad, you know, it's probably gonna be about two thousand dollars and I got credit cards now. So I go, Can we partner? You know, I'll find it and you get the VA loan and I'll pay the two thousand dollars in closing costs. And that was my first deal when I was twenty years old. Wow. Is uh, we went I went shopping, found found a three unit on the south side of Chicago, southwest side of Chicago, and um, Immediately had three apartments, and it was all new to me. My mm. dad could fix stuff. Uh, my, my dad and grandfather, they were very handy, and I knew nothing about fixing stuff. Mm. So I kind of had a great relationship with my dad, watching him fix stuff. And so when I was at 20, still going to college, um, I started telling my friends, hey, I bought this place, and they were freaking out, like, really? And I'm like, you know what we should do? We should get our own place. So I went to two brothers, my two best friends, and I said, look, how about I find mm. the place you guys got better jobs than I do, you know, let me find the place and we'll split the monthly payment and maybe we'll rent the basement to a couple of our friends and actually it will be free. Mm -hmm. And so that was my next real estate adventure is I found a house, somebody died, passed away, negotiated the deal. We got the house, we got all the furniture, we even got the food in the refrigerator, which sounds crazy, (laughs) but we got everything. And uh, that was an FHA loan because we lived there and I think it was... somewhere around 1400 bucks, I had to kick in. Once again, borrowed it from a credit card. And then, um, not going to get into all my deals, but really where the owner financing came in was like my third deal. I was trying to buy another three unit on the southeast side of Chicago. And I was trying to get a loan, and for whatever reason, the bank wouldn't give me the loan. They just didn't believe, I don't know. It, it was, it was a crazy neighborhood. And they, back then, they, they just didn't do the loan. And uh, the seller said, hey, Mike, do you want this place? And I said, yeah, but I don't know how to really buy it, even though I took this course. And uh, he, he was probably the smartest guy I ever met in real estate, even today. He wasn't a lawyer, but, man, he was sharp. And he just said, look, Mike, if you can come up with $8,000, you could have this building. I'll work your payments. We'll get you a, a mortgage for 10 years. He'll finance it. And uh, I was like, wow, how am I going to come up with $8,000, you know? And so once again... So half of it came from credit cards and half of it came from asking one of the brothers that I bought a house with, hey, can I borrow some money from you? And that's kinda, I started seeing um, owner financing that you don't need banks. And so I started realizing, hey, if I make a lot of offers on properties, trying to ask people for owner financing, Uh, we'll see what happens so then I don't know probably bought another 40 properties literally 40 over the next few years like that Mm. all owner financing a lot of them were from older people Uh, when I say older people I'm just saying I was in my 20s and we're talking people in their 50s 60s and 70s and they just kind of they were amazed at what I was doing as a young guy and they I don't know how to say it, it doesn't sound business-like, but they just wanted me to succeed. They wow. they, they, they obviously made a success out of themselves and they saw a unique situation, some kid, and they, they helped me structure things so that I could buy the place from them uh, creatively. And so I did a lot of owner financing like that. Wow. Um, I don't know if you want me to take a pause or... No, no, you're doing great, Matt. Tell tell your story. So so I I did do a lot of different types of owner financing deals. And you know, I'll be honest with you, um, something did go to my head. I I came from a family of no money. Right. And so now here I am in my 20s owning a house, investment properties. And it it did. I made a mistake. It went to my head. I started buying things I shouldn't have bought. Wasn't really paying attention and went bankrupt. Hmm. And it was kind of sad. Right. Not proud of that, you know. But I was down and out, and then you know I was trying to figure out, well, what am I going to do? And so after uh, I hit the bankruptcy, I, I just realized I have a love and a passion for real estate. Yeah, I like real estate not just because of the building; it's it's the negotiations. That's that's the part of real estate I love. It's 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 looking at a property and just trying to figure out how you can acquire it, how to benefit the seller, the tenants. And it's, it's like an addictive drug. I, I just <laughs> love doing deals. And, um, you know, I got back into real estate and I had, an, uh, you know, from the bankruptcy, a uh, really another another good run. Um, yeah. You know, uh, two deals that come to my mind that I did was uh, one in Rantoul, which is like southern central Illinois. Right. And uh, it was a, like 120, 125 unit apartment complex that was vacant. And so we were yeah, oh, wow. yeah, right. And uh, we looked at it and I looked at it and tried to figure out how do I buy this thing creatively? And so I had two companies, one for my wife and one for me, and I figured how can I do this no money down? And you know, what I did was I had my um, wife's company lock up the property for a million dollars and then I bought it, my company from her company for like a million six five. And so we got financing from a bank, which was okay back in those days to do that. I wound up getting $350,000, three hundred and fifty thousand three fifty or three sixty at closing to actually buy this, this, this building. And then it was awesome. Uh, we put so many people to work. You know, it was a kind of a depressed area. And we ran ads in the newspaper and you could just picture uh, just running ads and having people show up to do cleaning, painting, fixing. Mm-hmm. And so, and it was a cool thing working with the mayor, the police department, trying to take an eyesore and turn it around. So, I, I, was, I really enjoyed doing that. Wow. And, uh, you know, then I, I think I did another building. It was a 30 unit building, um, something similar. It was a concept at a time where I was just using my wife to buy it. And it was a certain price, and then I would buy it at a higher price for my wife's company. And I think on that one, it was no money down, and I got one hundred fifty thousand back at closing on a thirty unit in Aurora. Wow! And so you know, I, I did a lot of always looking to see how can I acquire property no money down, but better yet, how do you get cash back? And um, so, so, so you had to use that cash to improve the property,
0: though, so you can get you yeah know, can get the apartments ready for tenants to move in. Yeah, that
2: one that Obviously. one was in pretty good shape. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, most of most of the deals that I did always had some component of owner financing, or you know, I'd, I'd work something out with them. Like here's another example: I bought a bunch of apartments from some guy that was advertising in the paper. He was about to retire, and once again, he educated me to some degree. Is him and his partner? They were in their sixties. They uh, they had twenty four units, and so um, he, they were going to owner finance them for me, no money down and I read something about um, postponing payments. Banks won't do, well, at least I never experienced a bank doing it, but I said, how about I get the property? You guys really don't need the money. I'm going to, you know, it was their retirement plan. And I said, how about no payments for a year? And I was really shocked. They didn't do a year, but they did six months, no payments. So I had all that cash flow coming in and it really boosted things. And we fixed up the property and Six months later, we refinanced, and, you know, another year later, I I got bank financing and and paid them off. But what was cool about them is these guys had a bunch of properties. So it was by – I grew by acquisition, like, to another 100 properties with them. So they started selling me some other things that they had on the same concept, owner financing with postponing payments. And then we did cool stuff like substitution of collateral, which Mm -hmm. is – you buy the property owner financing and let's say you get a mortgage, it doesn't matter what it is, let's say it's 50000 or or 100000 and then what you, you have in the documentation substitution of collateral. So it means like if I find another deal, I can go to them and say, hey, I'd like to move the money from this property to another property. So then I can go back and refinance that and pull out even more money. I don't mm-hmm. know if you're following, but it's yeah. it's yeah. a way to move debt to other properties, right. substitution of collateral. And that was a huge, powerful thing. I, I must have done that with like four different apartment complexes. Mm. Wow. Um, so I've always, you know, I've tried houses. I was never good at, uh, you know, I tried to do the fix and flip. I don't know whether I'm colorblind or it's just not my thing. I probably tried to do five or six um Fix and flips. I just was never good at it. I know other people are, and I watch other people do it. I just, I could never make it work. Um, something else that I do, maybe that's different than other people, is I limit the competition. So a lot of people will go to a big city like Chicago or, or just pick something that everyone knows. I like farm communities. I find it's less competition. Okay. So, you know, it just, it doesn't matter. All throughout the United States, you look at Illinois, you know, I'm, I'm going like, 60 miles outside of Chicago, maybe even 100 miles outside of Chicago. And there's just less investors because most people want, most investors want instant gratification, meaning they want to like do that fix and flip, buy it, turn it, put the money in their pocket and do it again. Most of my deals are you buy it, you sit on it for like two years, maybe you refinance it a couple times, pull out your money, you're hanging on to it. And then like within five years, you sell it. And to me, that's that's a lower risk because you're hanging on to it for like two to five years. There's not too much I experience that can go wrong because you're kind of riding out the market. I don't have to be like to a science with numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did a lot of farm community properties. Um, when you
0: we came to our group, uh, you know, back in January, you <laughs> had a portfolio of, what, 70-plus properties that you were looking to reposition, you know, data right. and that. And I think, uh, are you able to have some good results for that in a relatively short period of time that uh,
2: yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that's an interesting thing as I, I was looking for um, 51 years old uh, you know I want to retire when I'm 60 it kind of goes back you know I don't want to like I'm not hopefully it doesn't come off this way like bragging or anything you know when I got started at 20 I thought the game would be over at 30 and then when I was 30 I thought the game would be over at 40 and 40 to 50 now I'm 51. So there's some mistakes that I made, you know. I mean, my family didn't have the real estate background to teach me wealth management. It's come through probably like $100,000 in different forms of real estate education from different people, different Mm -hmm. ideas. And I don't always follow what is written down. Um, You know, I kind of, like a buffet, I I take what I want. So I guess what I'm trying to say is is, uh, I've had some failures, You know, um, I thought I could end things a lot sooner and and be out. So now I'm kind of looking at things a little different. I look back over time when I was 20, what I didn't do and maybe what I did do that was kind of risky. And so now I'm I'm real conservative. I'm looking for properties that um, they're much cheaper than the average market, meaning, you know, somebody might say, hey, we buy a four unit and we're going to spend 400 grand on it. I'll sit there and say, let me buy a four unit for $40,000. Right. Just So I buy properties in these farm communities and, and, and like Freeport and with the, with the anticipation that the tenants are paying low rent, but they can afford it because a lot of them are on fixed income or they work minimum wage jobs. So it's not like how I experienced before, like in 2008, where you know you're highly leveraged in really great areas, and then all of a sudden the job market hits. And when your tenants have a bad job market, that means the landlord's not going to get paid, and then mm-hmm. the banks aren't going to bail you out. And so, I experienced a bad time in 2008, 2009 because mm-hmm. I was over leveraged. Yeah. And so, I'm, I'm like I said, right now, my investment strategy is different, saying, Hey, what can I do over the next eight, nine years to accumulate as many. Rental properties very cheaply that are in nice neighborhoods mm-hmm. so I've been looking in Illinois where can I find that and it just so happened that Rockford and Freeport have places that are under a hundred thousand which is unbelievable when when you try and tell somebody you're buying four units for forty thousand dollars right you know I'm buying a a, a, um, a twelve thirteen unit. For 60 dollars, $60, yeah, so it blows right. people's mind away that you can do that and i don't mind doing it because i'm gonna my plan is to hang on to it even if it doesn't go up in value you know you, you do the math the tenants are paying down that mortgage right. every month mm-hmm. so um it's I, I just look at what we're doing today is as a, as a low risk thing and then um really where my passion is what i've always realized people have helped me i'm trying to think what can i do to help others so i'm not Trying to take advantage of people. What I'm trying to do is is it goes back to 30 years ago when my mom had a very limited mindset and said, "Son, you know, people like us will never be millionaires." I mean, when I, when yeah. so when you when you ask your kids what do they what do you want to be, you know, some kids say they want to be baseball players or astronauts or something exciting. I don't know. I've always had a passion for money. When I said a millionaire, she's just like it was. I could see the disappointment in her eyes. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 she just couldn't relate to owning and making money. So I want to be able to do the same thing with a lot of other people that just, they don't know any better in the sense that they don't want to get an education. They aren't interested in advancing in life. They feel like the cards have been stacked against them. And so the tenants that I have are good people and I want to show them one, how do you repair your credit? You know, and it's things that I'm learning here at Renatus, but it's just common sense. right? you know how, how do you get bad marks off your credit you know not by denying it but by questioning the accuracy of what's on someone's credit so you could have a bankruptcy you could have car repossessions but the way the laws are written it has to be accurate mm-hmm. accurately reported so right. renatus has a great way of helping with that and so i wanted to help my tenants get them credit maybe get a way to get a couple thousand dollars and then get regular homes which in freeport you could get houses you know, in the neighborhood of twenty to fifty thousand, depending on how nice it's, you it's want. A, I, right. I just
0: can't comprehend that because uh, you can't build a house for even right. you know, four times that amount. Right. You know, brand new, ground up construction.
2: Apartments and things like that, you're talking about, you know, five
0: thousand, ten thousand dollars in an apartment. That's
2: so, so what's unique about that is if they're paying me uh, four to six hundred dollars in rent, it's equivalent to a house payment. Oh, yeah. So, so my point to them is stop renting from me, don't do that. Mm -hmm. You know, let's 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 show you some houses. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to buy some houses where I could show them, but m- more importantly, I just want to say, hey, go work with these realtors, pick one, you go shop and find one and, and we'll buy it and then we'll sell it to them on owner financing. And, and it's a win-win because you're helping the tenant. And then that's the next form of investing is playing the bank. If, right. you, if you run the numbers and see what your payments are, I mean, that's what banks do, right? So
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're the only real estate investor doing that for their tenants?
2: I don't know, but I I just think it's a cool idea. You know, years ago, I used to sell like, uh, I had houses. And I used to, after a while, make offers to my tenants saying, do you want an option to buy the house? You Mm -hmm. pay me a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Most of them wouldn't do it. You know, I'd maybe do like two houses a year like that. But um, in, in Freeport, the other thing is, It's kind of depressed in the sense of what people think a job market is today. Most people think job market is a physical thing, like you actually go to a plant or you go to a a place. That's how most people today think of it. But most younger people realize that's just not the way the world is, and that's not the way the world's going to be in the next 20 years. You could work remotely. You could be a virtual assistant. You can create your wealth through social media. And so what we're probably going to see in real estate, just a speculation, is it doesn't matter where you are. Right. So here I am offering cheap housing. Cook County's like insane with the prices they charge for rent. Right. So we're seeing more and more people on a fixed income moving out west. Mm-hmm. Right. And so and even if that mindset, what I'm saying is inaccurate, I don't care because we're you know, I bought a 10 unit for um, I think it was $80,000, a 10 unit for 80,000. And it, it's generating—I forget the exact numbers—but you know, after everything's said and paid, like twenty-five hundred dollars a month. It's not a lot of money to most people, but you know, when you got seventy units and you start thinking like that and you start accumulating, I think we got two and a half million in real estate right now, and your tenants are paying off those loans. I just feel safe. I think it's yeah. a good strategy. Oh, yeah. Well, you have uh, multiple
0: tenants, obviously You're not counting. You have one or two houses with right. your one or two tenants. You have. You know, economies of scale where you have multiple tenants that are paying your rent. So if one misses or one, a couple of vacant apartments, you still have positive cash flow, and it's not, yep. not going to break you. So.
2: And then we're trying to take our uh, tenants, and uh, I don't. It's not a, a exact thing like Shark Tank, but we got a couple commercial buildings downtown. Where we want to like set up restaurants, like generic restaurants or other places of business like bars and have them come in with very little money and experiment on their different ideas of opening up yep. a restaurant or a business, encourage them, have different investors offer them money to, if they don't want to do it in Freeport, they can try and do it there, but then they can scale it up elsewhere. So it's right. a place to scale up, try things, trial and error that most people would never get that opportunity. They would need yep. a lot of capital. So it's,
0: it's pretty cool because you seem like you have a a bigger passion than just buying buildings and becoming a landlord and and having cash flow off of that. You, you look at opportunities to be able to take a small town, you know, kind of a, a stagnant economy and and be able to reinvigorate that by, you know, empowering the tenants to, uh, you know, make Mm -hmm. improvements in their life and they're able to, uh, you know, possibly own their own house someday. And, uh, uh, you know, the entrepreneurial mindset that you have and and for them as well really helps you know when you start talking about that last week I'm like holy cow that's that's pretty yeah. that's amazing you know having a bigger vision than just making money you know really helping people yeah
2: I think I think it's, it's yeah. just people helping people just yeah. yeah and that's one of the other reasons why I'm here at Renatus is uh you know I, I did run into a little glitch I had the properties they were um how do I say it when I used a bunch of money like a $400,000 credit line to fix them up and the plan was to go back to the bank and refinance everything and I got stuck. I couldn't do it. And I was kind of bummed out. And I accidentally saw your emails and it was, you know, I kept seeing your, your Epic emails, the property tours, and I decided to come to one. Mm -hmm. And I was just, I was just really on that edge again of here I am trying to do all the right things and and help people. And the banks aren't giving me money. And it was was real sad. And then I thought I was going to almost quit. I had, I was kind of depressed. And then you know your presentation. Um, at your, you weren't there at the time, but your dad was there, because right. I, I was. It all brought me back to a time when my dad and and I, um, me and my dad, um, got involved in real estate. And so, like Bruce's email was, "Come see what this father and son did." Mm-hmm. It just brought back a lot of good memories. How it all started for me. Yeah. And then um, you were talking about what are you going to do in 2020, and right. here I am, <laughs> kind of a little bit depressed, uh, thinking, "Wow." I don't, I don't know. And then you, you, you just kind of sparked all that passion over the years that, you know, it's not an easy game, at least for me in real estate, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's ups and downs and, uh, there's, there's times you just don't know where the money's coming from to pay your workers, um, to do things. I mean, I, yes, there's a lot of deals that worked out really good. There's a lot of deals too, just like in sports, you know, you're going to get beat up, you're going to strike out. And, mm-hmm. and so, um, when you do massive transactions, not all of them work out. And it's okay, because what I feel is um, one success can overshadow multiple failures. Mm -hmm. So I'm not afraid to fail. And I have failed in in the past on certain things, but... Most of my deals do work and they do make really pretty good money. And so like I came back to you guys, got involved in Renatus, started talking to different Renatus people about apartments. They gave me different ideas. And, and here I am, you know, two weeks ago, I was able to go to a different bank. They gave me some money. I got another bank I'm going to next week to get like 150 grand. And then uh, at the end of the month, I got another bank that's doing something. So, so that whole debt got restructured. The payments make sense. And, you know, we're back in the game again trying to buy more and more properties. Mm-hmm. Right. And so um, that's what you need is a community. That's why I'm grateful yeah. to be here is the community, talking to other people. Uh, like this Saturday, I went to that uh, property tour, that the, the guy, uh, Rich, who did the house. I, man, that was awesome to yeah. see uh, the before picture of a fire, what he did, how it's presented, how the community is, how the community encourages you. And that's what I'm getting at is... Um, you can buy books and tapes or whatever you want to call it or watch YouTube videos, but there's nothing in comparison of real people that you meet that have the same mindset that are willing to do what you're doing, plus give you a sanity check like, hey, did you think about that? Hey, what about this? And it's like, wow. And that's why I'm grateful to be here.
0: Well, it's it's, it's great to have you, yeah, Logan. I know you got some questions for Mike here, so why don't you... Uh...
1: Yeah, you know, so I've, I've been quiet here because I'm just listening and learning so much and I... You know, I'm 22 just getting started in real estate and I'm doing it with my dad and hearing you tell the beginning of your story, I'm like, wow, it sounds like he's just talking about me. (laughs) So that's awesome. But uh, yeah, I had a couple questions just along the way. Specifically, um, the deal you mentioned when you closed and you just closed and got Mm $350,000. You said you used two companies to buy the um, apartment complex. Can you talk a little bit more about uh, that strategy and, and what it is, what does it entail? Cause I've sure. never heard of that
2: before. Yeah. You can't do that really today. Back in the day, it was called a simultaneous closing. Mm-hmm. So what that meant is you don't need money. You can lock up a property, come to a closing. And then if you had an, another party mm-hmm. that would buy the property for more money, you could use the funds to do that. Right. Right. So as, as what I'm saying is what I did is I locked up a property for a million. It was probably worth two million dollars, mm-hmm. and I got it to appraise uh, like with the bank for a dollars And the way it worked out is I forget what the numbers were, but I think it's like an eighty percent loan. So it turned out I got the three hundred and fifty, three hundred and sixty back. Right. So it, it involved going to a closing and having closing one mm-hmm. the wife buying it for a million, and then closing two the wife selling it to me. Right. And behind the scenes, unfortunately, back then, they took the bank funds to pay my wife off first. Today, they don't allow that. So now you would need to have what they call transactional funding. Right. You have to pay like a a fee. And the title, most title companies will tell you, you need the funds at the first closing. Right. Back in the day, it was pretty creative. They allowed you to do that. Now they, from what I understand... I've done some transactional or simultaneous
0: closings like that Mm -hmm. where I actually had a cash buyer. Mm -hmm. So they actually put their... They were, they were buying with cash. There was no banks involved. So they actually put the money to the title company. So when we bought it on the A, a to B side, mm-hmm. um, we used our money to buy it with. And right. then when we when we sold it to them on the, on the B to C side, we actually got a check back for yeah. the overage there for, for the same, wholesale. Same concept. Mm-hmm. So it's a, yeah. you know, today's economy, especially in Illinois, there's some, some laws and rules and regulations that have changed. Uh, so... You know, certainly seek the advice of an attorney, a competent real estate attorney to help navigate you through that. Uh, those kind of closings are still out there. They're available, but you have to structure it where it's, it's all mainly cash buyers and, uh, uh, you know, cash you know, cash is king, right? So
2: yeah. um, it's kind of difficult to do that with bank funding at this point. And a lot of banks today, they have what they call a seasoning requirement. Right. So they, yep. they purposely ask the title company, how long has that guy been on title? You okay. know. Right. Yeah. they don't allow like one hour. second anymore I mean, like a 48 <laughs> right. hour seasoning or something yeah. So, okay yeah yeah so that's but, that's pretty cool but yeah those were cool trends and i didn't invent it once again it's listening okay. to experts right. and then taking action on that information same thing with the substitution of collateral all yeah. those cool things deferring your payments yeah. for six months to a year things like who, who teaches you that stuff where yeah. do you find that out right. so
0: so you talked about you know back in the day the the late night infomercial uh, mm-hmm. I, I know it was probably the same person that i bought back in the day too it was probably carlton sheets or one
2: of those guys yeah where... carlton sheets and dave Delgado. i never bought dave delgado stuff but yeah uh, they just yeah. motivated me i yeah. mean uh they, they they just seem like ordinary people right being interviewed and their lives are changing and i yeah. was like i gotta try this i mean how could you go wrong? Right. right. And it was like, you know, you're learning a
0: new language. I mean, what right. they
2: what they taught back in the day is still relevant today. Oh, absolutely. You know, the principles or
0: their strategies and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know back in the mid-90s when I bought Carlton's program for like 200 bucks, mm-hmm. it was a, a green plastic folder with, uh, yeah. you know, with uh, yellow writing on it, you know, got kind of yeah. money in real estate and you open opened it up and there were cassette tapes <laughs> and, a, and a study book. And, uh, absolutely. And I, I dug into that for, gosh, close to, Probably a month. My, yeah. wife, my wife's like, "What are you doing?" So, well, I'm listening to this training on this program. I want to learn how to do real estate. Yeah, she's like, "Yeah, no, that's not gonna work." So, yeah, you know, I got through it. I got really excited. I was, I was about ready to make that, you know, make that first step. But I'm like, "Holy cow! I'm I'm scared stiff to do this because I didn't have anybody there to support." you know, everybody to encourage and things like that. My wife certainly was, was not a, uh, she was a skeptic, you know, about doing that. So it was kind of one of those things I put up on the shelf and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of went on with, with, with my daily life and existence. So, um, you know, the, we still see those infomercials on TV, you know, on TV, the late night infomercials and, you know, these groups that come in and out of town for the free, free lunch and mm-hmm. three day workshop. And then they're looking to sell you, you know, pretty expensive program. So it's pretty typical, but you know, the fundamental Strategies are still true today as they were, you know, 20 years ago, 50 years ago. Yeah, probably. Right? You know, land contracts. My dad bought our first house when we moved down to Illinois back in the early 60s on a land contract. Yeah. And that term always stuck in my head. He bought it on a land contract. I don't really know what that is, but mm-hmm. as I got older and I started
2: learning about it, like, oh, he bought it with seller financing. You know, it was really what that meant. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I, I've always learned from these classes and stuff is borrow what you don't have. You know, yeah. don't make excuses like I don't have tools or I don't have the down payment right. or I don't know how to do it. Somebody knows how to do it. You just gotta gotta ask. You'll be yeah. surprised if you ask what you'll uh, get. Yeah, you, uh, you know, you need money to do real estate. It just doesn't
0: need to be yours. That's correct, right? That's so right. That's, that's one of those principles that has resonated throughout throughout time. So
1: yeah, it's absolutely key. And I would say, like, like in my case, that was what changed the game. We're yeah. sitting in the. Um, in the office down closer to Chicago, and they're saying, "Oh, you have the forty, forty, forty plan." And, right. you know, a couple episodes, my episodes ago, my dad was just going off about that. Mm. But um, yeah, you know, we're just sitting there, and he's like, "Oh, have you ever heard of seller financing?" We just look at each other, and we're like, "No, what? What is that? Tell me more." And uh, yeah, to your point, like borrow yeah. what you don't have. That's a great way of saying it.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the classes that's inside the Essentials program is uh, you know Chris Alvin talking about creative creative acquisitions. Mm-hmm. It's all about different ways of seller financing and acquiring properties with mm-hmm. you know without having to go to the bank, which is really cool. There's multiple strategies on doing that and mm-hmm. different terminology for it. But uh, you know, Mike, you you're a pretty humble guy, so I, you know it's it's no, pretty too humble. Yeah, it's oh. <laughs> you know very soft spoken. You would never know, if, you know. Mike looks like an average guy, just like you and I and everybody else, you know. He's not walking around in a suit and a tie and looking <laughs> like, a, you know, some, some you know, multi-million dollar uh, real estate, you know, tycoon. Right. Um, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know him walking, you know, talking to him on the street. And certainly wouldn't know it unless you knew how to ask him the question. But, right. you know, Mike's, Mike's very humble. And he actually wrote a book back uh, before, what was it, 2007. It's called uh, Minimum Wage Sucks. Yeah, stressed, you know, underpaid, and exhausted. Yeah, so it's, you know he, 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 in that book, he's describing how people can get involved in real estate investing. You know, as a tenant, as going out and cutting grass and you know painting apartments and things like that, just kind of mm-hmm. getting your feet in the door, doing it, and you know working your way up from there. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a great read. I've. Gotten through a part of it. I'll be honest with you; I haven't read the whole thing yet, but it's about 400 pages, and man, you did a great job inside of that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, Thanks.
1: yeah, it really is, because you detail going from well, working a minimum wage job. Well, what's the next step above that? Um, you know, in the book, it really references well, go manage property or, or go get involved in the game. You know, at least be involved in the game that you want to play. Uh, go help other people uh, solve their problems, and then, right, eventually accumulate enough of wealth from, and knowledge from doing that that you can go out and buy a property yourself. And yeah. this book is fantastic. Yeah, I, yeah
2: thank you. I, I've always found like the more to have a servant's attitude and to help people mm-hmm. um, and give things away, it comes back. My wife sometimes challenges me on stuff like that. I give a lot of money away on tips and just to waitresses and, and things mm-hmm. like that. And and it's because it comes back to me. A lot of people right. say, wow, Mike, you're pretty lucky. It just seems like the harder I work and the more I give away, the more opportunities come. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it happens like that at banks. Sometimes I'll sit down with a banker and he'll be like, let me explain to you what you need to do. You need to create this entity. I don't want to do business with you as Mike. Create this entity. Create three of them. We can give you a line of credit and we can do these commercial loans. You mm-hmm. know, it's yeah. who, who does that? You know right. what I mean? Um, same thing with older people um, you know, that are getting close to retire when I was a younger person. Mm-hmm. I was amazed. They're just like, well, okay, I'm going to make some money on it, but here they are structuring how you do it. This right. is what you need to do. Um, I thought that was interesting, yeah. uh, trying to put deals together.
1: Yeah, I would say, the, like. so for my first deal, the multifamily, um, we call on the sign. Or my, I'm with my dad, and we're driving around in my little pickup truck, and we drive by a sign and we call and you know within the first two minutes of the conversation the guy we're talking to Rich he's like I'll finance it for you and we had just taken actually just finished taking the essentials class so we knew what that meant um, we spent another probably 30 minutes talking to him about it and uh, you know I we both and, and especially me I just learned so much from them and as far as just like you know how we structured this whole agreement and um, we also got a lot into that, their life philosophy, which was very insightful. Cool. Yeah. Very. Nice. So you're,
0: you're, um, uh, getting into the, into the, the, multifamily or commercial real estate game. You're going to be dealing with sophisticated people that mm-hmm. probably are familiar. Maybe they got started in a business, you know, with seller financing themselves and they were able to carry it through their, right, you know, through multiple decades. And now they're looking to pass it on. Yeah. And it's, uh. You know, it's pretty amazing. You yeah. know, you're, you're not dealing with a homeowner that may have never heard of a land contractor or lease option. But, uh, you know, with the with the larger larger buildings like that, you're going to find more sophisticated people, more people that are willing to help and give, you know, and teach you how they did it.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I'm not sure why owner financing, like, why doesn't everybody know about that or think about it? Because, like, what it is is instead of going to a, a bank and saying, hey, will you finance this for me? You Just go to another person, the person who owns it, and, and ask them. And it's, mm-hmm. it's way more simple. It's way less paperwork. There's way yeah. less hands in the pie. Well, I think because
0: we're brainwashed growing up, as you know, <laughs> coming through, you know, coming through childhood into adulthood, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're told that you know, got to get good grades at school, go to college, get a good good degree, and come out and get a good job. That then, yep. then you're going to make your biggest purchase of your life, which is going to be going. You know, buying a house, buying a house. and uh, you have to have good credit. You have to have money in the bank. You have to be able to qualify with a, with a mortgage company. Mm-hmm. Those are really the three yeah. things that uh, you know are, that I was raised with, and I'm sure right. it's probably pretty common.
2: Yeah, my experience is there's two kinds of people that do owner financing: those that are highly educated, and those that are desperate. So, mm-hmm. people, if you're in the middle class and you live paycheck to paycheck. It just isn't going to make sense to you to finance somebody. And then your mindset's like, oh, they're not going to pay me. What what, what, what do I do? Right. But a sophisticated person that has money, it's very easy to offer them owner financing because the question will be is if you get all cash, what do you do with the money? What are you going to do? You're going to park it in the bank for 1.5%? Right. And they understand that. And they understand that um, you know the fool's game of telling someone they're paying 5% on something they understand the math behind that. That normal people think it's five percent, but if you run the numbers, you're paying double for a property. I mean, do right. you know right. what I'm saying? It's like oh, yeah. the opposite of velocity banking. Mm-hmm. So they get it. They get it. They want to play the bank, and then and then someone who's desperate realizes something's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. So trying to, I've just never been successful dealing with an average person on owner financing. It's yeah. Just but those two other people. And I think a
0: lot of it, you know, you
2: hit on just a few minutes ago about,
0: uh, you know. Giving big tips and you know having that abundance mentality and that's really what it comes down right. to is is the mindset you know we think we have to scrimp our pennies and you know save and put it in the bank and collect you know half a percent in a CD or something like that right and that's kind of the 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 the, the poverty mindset right. but if you start looking at money as an abundance as a tool as something that's that's pretty much unlimited you know there's so much money out there that you know if you if you adopt the mindset that I can do this. I, you know, I'm worth it and I can, you know, I I have access to all kinds of of means and resources and and money is just one of those, Mm -hmm. you know, having that mindset, it's it's just a
2: big shift. And it's maybe a little easier with apartments too because the landlord understands a monthly check, so all you're doing (laughs) is giving him a monthly check and he doesn't have to deal with toilets, crazy maintenance people, (laughs) Right, right. you alleviate a lot of pain for him. Right.
1: yeah, yeah. so actually once a week I meet with some of my friends and we just kind of talk about like personal development, financial, financial stuff. And um, we're really working with one of our one of our friends, uh, he's starting to get into real estate, starting to see the dream a little bit and we're telling him over and over again, hey, if you find the deal, like like all, all this money that's, that's in society, it's looking for a deal. And so if you put together something that, that works, it works for you and it works for everybody, um, the money will come. It'll it'll flow. It'll yeah. jump out of the woodwork at you.
2: I think that's very true. I mean, like when I show deals over the last thirty years, if you got a good deal, the money flows to it. If if people look at it and they don't like it, you got to ask, what are the red flags? What's wrong with it? Improve it. Mm-hmm. But a good deal. I mean, that's what most people think. It's it's easier to find the property than it is the money. If you got a really good deal, the money will flow to it, especially yeah, yeah. if you're showing it to other investors. Yeah. They'll see the they'll see they'll see the B S in something. Right. You know, and then they'll see the history of what you're doing. And then they'll start to realize there's some money to be made with right. this person. There's opportunity
0: right. for them to invest with you. So Yeah. Yep. And we're looking to raise like twenty million dollars on our senior housing project here and in the near future. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a big number, but I know I know the value that we're going to provide to our investors is going to be oh, going yeah. to be tremendous. So, um, so I'm not
2: too concerned about yeah. that. <laughs> you know? And that's that's the other thing I learned too over thirty years. It's and a lot of middle class normal people. The bigger the number, it seems it's easier to borrow. You mm-hmm. know, so like when I'll go do an apartment complex and refi it, I can walk across the street to the bank. And sometimes they'll just give you a check for three and a half million dollars. Trying for me to go get thirty thousand dollars on one of my Freeport properties is a very challenging, difficult yeah. thing. Let me see your tax returns. Or what's your credit score? Mm-hmm. But to say, hey, I want to borrow $3.5 million against you know $5 million in assets, it's a, it's a different mindset. Yeah. It yeah. blows me away. Yeah. Most people can't relate to that. Yeah. Huh. They'll just cut the check right there. It's right. crazy. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Awesome
0: so uh, it, kind of in closing here, we went a little bit longer than we normally do but mike man you were, you, you you knocked out of the park with us oh here. I appreciate that oh, thank you and uh I look forward to having you on again in the, in the future on some more some more epic uh podcasts mm-hmm. uh, if if you would be so kind uh, we could show some more you know more specific topics, but I at least wanted people to get to know you a little bit because uh you know you're you're, uh, you know, not the ordinary out there. You're, you're the extraordinary, if I might say. Oh, thank um, you. Wow. You know, and it's, you're making a difference in your life. You're making a difference in your family's life and the communities that you're investing in. And, uh, you know, you're the blip on the radar when things happen there. Hmm. You know, if you're into... Get into a, a tough economy, and you can create jobs and create opportunity and, and help people buy houses and things like that. You're, I'm sure you've flipped the radar a few times on the on the, on the MLS market forecast. So <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool. So uh, congratulations, man! Thank Good you. To have you on board here? And uh, you know, Logan, as always, yeah. You know, this is thank you, Logan. It's been a pleasure. We've been wanting to have Mike on air for quite some time. You know, since yeah. we met him the first night I think in, back in January, it's like, yep.
1: <laughs> it's just like, man, I heard that number seventy four units. And it's like. You you don't just like walk walk out the door one day and accumulate a, a portfolio like that. You you have to know what you're doing and um, yeah, just that was immediately you had my attention. Cool. Yeah,
0: and you know you're gonna get you know some some bruises along the way. You know uh, the only way I can say it is that you learn by doing, mm-hmm. and you are gonna make some mistakes along the way. I've made plenty of my own, and uh, you know even if you're on the bottom right now and, and things are not looking right. Just get in the game. Get mm-hmm. in the game. Get involved with a you know program that can support you, that can train you. Uh, the big thing is a community piece, which can mm-hmm. encourage you. Because I know that's that's meant a lot to me with the community. I mean, that's that's just been paramount to yeah. to moving this thing forward. So.
1: Yeah, I have never not had a community since I've been in, in yeah. real estate. But I, it doesn't sound very fun to not yeah. have one. will just put it <laughs> well, that way. Especially a local
0: community. Mm -hmm. You know, there's nationwide communities of other groups and things like that, and and Renatus has a nationwide community as well, but it's really, we break it down to a local community, you know, here with our group here in in the Crystal Lake Lake and Hills area, Um, but we have people that come from Rockford, and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, we've had people come from Wisconsin and from Indiana to be part of our group here, and it's, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's pretty amazing, so... Awesome. Well, we're going to wrap things up here. So, guys, uh, thank you very much once again. And uh, you know, if you guys want to get you know take a closer look at what we're doing, uh, go to our, our website epicria.com That's epic uh, That stands for Real Estate Investment Association. And uh, we host meetings every Tuesday. We do property tours throughout the month. We have cash flow games coming up and workshops and all kinds of things. So uh, we're here to help support you guys on your mission here. So.
1: Yeah, bring questions. Come on, you can, you can come out and, and talk with Mike here. He has yeah. just an incredible story. And uh, if you want to learn more, you know where to go.
0: Absolutely. So thanks you all for joining us here today, and we will be seeing you soon. So take care, and uh, have a good day. I'll see you.